Welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife podcast. So excited to have you guys back here again as we are rounding out the year. Uh, this is airing just about a week before Christmas of 2020. It's been a long year. Can I get an amen? I can't wait for it to be over. Not really thinking that 2021 is automatically going to change anything, but just mentally just having a fresh start, really looking forward to that. And I've been spending a lot of time as I do every December towards the end of the year. I spend a lot of time in a, a space of goal setting and looking at my year in review and, and, you know, what happened and didn't happen. And I have been much kinder to myself as of late, understanding that I'm not going to get it all done. One of the things uh, that I want to do or that I've been doing and I wanted to bring to you guys for 2021 is a period of self-discovery. So as like we look at our past year and we look at all the things that happen and and sometimes when we get down on ourselves and and all the hard things and you know we start to experience the mom guilt or the work guilt or the you know that like the business guilt either you didn't do enough as a mom or you didn't do enough for your business or you didn't do enough in your marriage you know and and something is suffering uh, those are the kinds of things that I like to take a look at. Really, I try to do that once a month or once a quarter, but certainly at the end of the year. And so what I wanted to bring to you guys is this series of self-discovery, of learning a little bit more about what makes you tick, why you do the things you do, why does he do the things that he does, because really, once we start to understand why we do what we do and our husband does what we do, do what he does, um, it starts to make a huge difference in our life and marriage and how we respond to each other. So in this episode, I have Stephanie Cook, who in the midst of the pandemic took a giant leap of faith. She resigned from her 26-year career as a school psychologist to develop on-purpose coaching. Through this platform, Stephanie helps others improve personal and professional relationships, live more purposely, and discover the abundant life promised to believers in John 10.10. In addition to being a certified life coach, Stephanie is a speaker, writer, co-host of the What's Your Story podcast. Stephanie loves to teach the Enneagram or speaks speak to groups, large or small. She does uses the Enneagram a lot in her coaching, and she is going to talk to us this week about the Enneagram. So here we go. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. 
I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the Gracefield Wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the Gracefield Wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Grace Fuels Wife podcast. I am so excited to present our guest, Stephanie Cook, who I will give her a moment to go ahead and introduce yourself, but you guys are really in for a treat this week. We are going to be talking about the Enneagram and how it relates to you and your relationship and all the good stuff. Go ahead, Stephanie. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm usually on the other side of the microphone. So it's kind of fun for me to be a guest today. Yes. Yes. So yeah. So I'm Stephanie Cook. Um, I have recently just, in fact, during COVID year and um, pivoted from, I uh, was a school psychologist for 26 years in public school systems um, and have enjoyed that career, long, long time career. And, um, but also several years ago, got my certification as a life coach and knew that eventually I really wanted to kind of transition into that arena. And so um, made the decision um, in October of last year that May of this year would be kind of the end of my school career. And little did we know what was coming. So ironically, I turned in my letter of resignation the day before um, our school district sent everybody home for COVID. So it was um, it was a very scary time, but a very exciting time. And um, so what actually happened was, of course, I finished out, you know, my, my roles as school psychologist virtually that year, but it also gave me a head start. So I was able to kind of to pivot and, and get going. And so as part of what I do as a life coach, um, I use the Enneagram often. I am um, I just believe it is such an incredible tool for helping us with empathy, with communication, with relationships, and certainly our marriages um, is a great place to start with that. So I'm excited to get to talk to you guys about it. Awesome. Awesome. So you said you are uh, usually on the other side of the mic. So do you have a podcast? Tell our we listeners do. about yes, it. Yes, we do. So I, um, I host a podcast called What's Your Story with Hannah and Stephanie. And so we actually developed that. We celebrated our one year anniversary in October of this year, October the 13th. Um, and so we started that just kind of really as a hobby for fun about a year ago, knowing that I, um, a lot of what I do, so my, my business is called On Purpose Coaching, because I believe that we're all given um, gifts and talents and callings by um, our creator. And so what we really wanted to do with the What's Your Story podcast was encourage women specifically for the most part, we do have men on from time to time, but mostly women to come on and just share their incredible stories of faith. And so what we like to say is we, you know, we like to host ordinary women talking about extraordinary leaps of faith and things that God has brought them through. And so it's like I said, we, we enjoy that so much. It's really fun for us. And we did an Enneagram series actually right before, and I think we wrapped that up at the uh, beginning of November. And so we had a guest on with all the nine types and um, talked to them kind of about all kinds of different things. So that was a lot of fun. So if you're interested, more interested in the Enneagram, um, that would be a great place to go check it out. And you can hear someone of every single number kind of talk about their experiences living as that particular number. Wow. Okay. So you had nine different people on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. I was like, you had one person with all nine. No, types. no. Yeah. We did, so we did not, we actually did 10 weeks. So we did an introduction week and which we actually had Enneagram Ashton, Ashton Ober Whitmore, who is kind of a, in the Instagram space, she's an Enneagram guru. And so she kicked it off for us. And then we had nine different guests with each of each of the numbers. So awesome. So for our guests, so some, some of them may be familiar with the Enneagram. I'm 
mildly familiar with it. I have taken the test. So I believe according to the test, I am an Enneagram two wing three. Um, and that's all I pretty much understand about it. So there's like a couple, you know, and I know I stress two and eight. So I understand like what the eight does and what the three does and what the two does. But for anyone listening, they're like, what are they talking about? All right. these types, what are they? And I, I've never really gotten into it or talked about it because in, for me, it all seems really confusing. So can you break it down for us really yes. at an elementary level? Yes, I would yeah. love to. So, so the Enneagram is a personality typing system. So if you've ever heard of, you know, the Myers-Briggs or Street Finders or DISC or any of those, it's similar to that. The reason I love it more, much more than those is because the Enneagram really um, examines your core motivation and your core desire. So it looks at the why behind what you do and not necessarily just the what. And I think by looking at that why, you're able to grow more to kind of move through some things that may be causing you difficulty again in communication and relationships and things like that. And um, but what the Enneagram in its basic form does is it, it divides us into nine different numbers, nine different types. Now, obviously, if your listeners are listening, there's like, there's no way the whole entire world can be put in nine boxes. Um, and they're absolutely right about that. Um, so like you said, there are wings, there are strengths, there are security members, um, there are subtypes, there's so much more to it. Um, but in just a basic general overview, um, Enneagram literally means drawing of nine. So it is just a way to look at um, personality types in nine different ways using their core motivations, core desires, core fears. Um, and so, you know, most folks will do a test to kind of begin that process. What I will say is most of the experts would tell you a test is probably somewhere between 50 and 70% accurate. It's much more important. That's a really good jumping off point, especially like the free test that you can find on the internet. That might be a good place to jump off. But what most of us do is when we take those tests, we project our answers, kind of what we would like to be more, necess not necessarily how we truly are. And so sometimes it will get you in the ballpark, but then when you really start learning more about the Enneagram, you've realized real quickly, like, oh no, that's not quite exactly right. Um, and so I would encourage folks to, if you do take a test, that's a great place to start. But then I can also share some resources and some, some books and things that I would encourage folks to go to if they're more interested. Awesome. So, so that's basically what it is. Can mm -hmm. you take us through a quick overview of what are the nine types? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So um, the types are divided into what are called triads. And so a lot of times we'll start with the eight because the eight nines and ones are in the same triad. So if it's okay with you, I'll do it that way. Um, and so the eight nines and ones are considered to be the anger or the gut triad, meaning that those folks typically kind of go through life um, instinctively. So they use their gut to really make a lot of their decisions. And all of them struggle with anger in one way or the other. So when we talk about eight, um, kind of, and there's lots of different names for the numbers. Um, the ones that I tended to kind of lean to are from The Road Back to You, which is by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. They're two of the experts that I really um, admire and follow and listen to. And so um, you can find different names for all the different numbers. So I'll just go ahead and kind of put that out there. So what the ones that I'm sharing, you may see different names. Um, in other, you know, in other sources, other literature, which is totally fine. But the eights are considered to be the challenger. And so they're really motivated by a need to kind of have control. And um, so one of the core fears of the eights is losing control or having to be vulnerable. And so eights kind of go through life in a very take charge kind of way. There are a lot of our leaders, um, but they really struggle with that 
um, desire for control. Um, and so their anger is pretty overt. It's pretty out there. They're pretty aggressive. Probably the most aggressive stance on the Enneagram. So those are your eights. The nines are considered to be the peacemakers. And so their greatest desire is just to have peace at all costs. So what happens is with nines, a lot of times they avoid conflict. They feel like conflict will sever relationships. So they avoid it altogether um, instead of kind of confronting that. And so nines would tell you that they don't have any anger at all, but a lot of times their anger is kind of a repressed anger, more of a frustration. Um, and they're afraid to vocalize that or express that for fear of kind of disrupting peace in their lives. The ones are considered to be the reformers or sometimes they're called the perfectionists or the improvers. Um, and their desire is for things just to be right in the world. They want integrity. So they are the rule followers. They are the, the you know, they have the most difficulty with um, accepting that there are other ways to go through life and other ways to do things. And the ones really turn that anger inward. So they have kind of a critical voice that never stops in their head, telling them that could be done better. You didn't do that the right way. Um, and sometimes that voice will kind of creep out onto others that they know and love in the form of resentment or criticism or correction. And so those are your ones. So that's that anger or gut triad. The twos, threes, and fours are the heart or the feeling triad. So the twos are considered to be the helpers. And so twos, which sounds great, like, oh, those sound like such nice people. And um, But what twos often will do, they have a core desire to be loved. And so they help or they give or they do in a kind of an attempt for folks to love them. So they don't believe really that the love that, that folks give them um, can be unconditional. They feel like you have to earn that by doing something for others. So they overhelp, sometimes they manipulate. Um, and so that's what the T's go through life doing. Um, and their feelings are pretty external. They love to talk about feelings. They're all about feelings, um, which can be a little annoying for some of the other Enneagram numbers. So those are the T's. The threes are considered to be the performers. So threes go through life really wanting people to view them as being successful. Um, and so the threes can be kind of chameleon-like. They fit into almost any setting because they can spin almost any story, any situation to make them look good, to put them in good light. So the threes really, again, feel like all of the love in their life comes from what they're able to achieve. So these sometimes are your workaholics and they're your performers, your entertainers, um, you know, they, they are accomplishing more things than the majority of us are. They're goal setters. They, they go after all kinds of, of great goals and they have beautiful resumes. And so in America, threes are very highly revered because we as a kind of culture admire that. We admire those people that are super successful and have climbed the ladder, however they climbed it to get there. Um, and so those are your threes. And their, their feelings, they really don't want to kind of even deal with at all because that gets in the way of their productivity. And so, yes, they are feeling oriented, they're relationship oriented, but typically the relationships are more about what those other folks can do to kind of help them get ahead. Um, your fours um, basically are your deep feelers and they're known as the individualists. So fours really want to be, well, they really feel like they are the most unique people in the world. But as a result of that, they feel like they're not necessarily understood or accepted. And so they really struggle with this kind of juxtaposition between I want to be myself, I want to be unique, but I also want to be accepted by others. And so um, that can sometimes be a you know, difficult place to be. And they are drama queens and kings. They absolutely love emotion, love feelings, love drama. They can sit in emotion where a lot of the other numbers will run from it. So a four can be as melancholy, 
you know, all day long and be totally fine with that, even if it's making everybody else around them very uncomfortable. And we joke that, you know, fours are the kinds of folks that, you know, we'll, we'll get out their sad song album and just play it on repeat because that just feels good to them and have a good cry. They love the sad movies. Like they're just, they're incredibly emotional. And um, so their emotions also are kind of turned inward in that they're deep feelers. So a lot of times those are like your artists, your musicians, your songwriters, because they can kind of get their heads around feelings that a lot of us really cannot. And so those are your fours. So that's your feeling triad, two, three, four. And then you have your five, sixes, and sevens, which are more the thinking triad. And so your fives are your investigators. So the fives really are motivated by a desire to have knowledge um, and to be seen as an expert in whatever it is that they're going after kind of that expertise in. And um, so your fives are your deep thinkers, typically pretty introverted. So fives only have a certain level of energy that they can give to the world. Um, and so they really truly believe that relationships can deplete that energy. And so they're very protective about who gets into their world and who they spend their time and energy and resources on or with. And um, so those are your investigators and those are your fives. And again, using kind of that knowledge. The sixes are considered to be um, the guardian or the loyal skeptic. So sixes really operate from um, an anxiety place. They're, they're motivated by a need for security and safety. Um, and they're worst case scenario thinkers. So your sixes are kind of those people that, you know, doom and gloom sometimes. They're definitely going to be glass half empty. Um, but it's because they're always planning for things to go wrong. Like in their mind, there's always some way that things can go badly. However, sixes are called the loyal skeptic because once they earn the trust of friends and family, they are loyal to the end of time because that security and that safety is important to them. So they're that kind of a friend or that kind of a partner, that kind of a spouse. And um, they're very loyal and dutiful and, you know, great friends to have in your life. And then finally, the sevens are considered to be the entertainers and um, they are fun, fun and more fun. And so they're motivated by core desire just to be happy. And so they are all about gaining experiences and things sometimes. And they really struggle with gluttony in the sense that if, if this is good, more is better. Um, and so they really go through life with a need to try to avoid any negative emotions. Um, and so they're always kind of looking for ways to find happiness. And so those are your nine Enneagram types. Wow, that's so good. I've heard it before many times. And the way you described it, I thought was really just kind of simple and succinct. And you were able to put in there their strengths and weaknesses all in one. Can you tell us a little bit about, so we talked about what the benefits are of maybe identifying your type, meaning, um, you know, kind of understanding your core motivation. What, how does this relate in a marriage? So knowing your Enneagram or, and, and knowing your husband's Enneagram, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I'll just use my own marriage as an example, if that's okay, because sure. I've got some great stories. So I'm an Enneagram two, wing three. So we have that in common. And my husband is a, we say he is the oneest one of the world. Like he is such, he's the poster child for a one. Well, we've been married for 29 years. So we've been married a long time. Um, and so there have been times in our marriage where I felt like he was overly critical about times, I mean, on a daily basis and where I felt like um, he was critiquing me or criticizing me or didn't think that I was doing things the way that he wanted them to, you know, to be done. He's incredibly orderly. So we joke about even, you know, there were times in our marriage when I could clean the bathroom and move 
the things on his side of the sink two inches and he would come home and be like, did you clean today? Because the things are moved. And I'm like, you're, you're a crazy person. Like, <laughs> you know, and so once we understood the Enneagram and really, um, I began to realize that he has that critical voice that plays in his head all the time, then even his self-talk sometimes is negative. So he could drop something in the kitchen and I would hear him say things like, oh, you're so stupid or you're such an idiot. And I'm like, you're going to need to lighten up. Like what is going on? And so now that I realize kind of how he operates and things that he does where he is correcting or taking care of things, I no longer view as quote criticism, but just his way of he has to right the wrongs of the world. So, you know, I'll give you just a silly example just from a couple of weeks ago. So my, our children are both grown and our daughter's off at college. And so when she comes home and um, she, she has a boyfriend that's in our town as well. And then my son will come over. So basically we get at least three extra cars in our driveway when the kids come home or come over to spend time with us. Well, so one night we were kind of sitting around and I'm like, where is your dad? And Marley's like, he's moving the cars in the driveway because he wanted the cars to be parked a certain way in our driveway so that everybody could get out when it was time to leave and he was getting ready to go to bed. And so he had to go rearrange the cars in the driveway. Well, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, he's lost his mind. But, I, you know, now I'm like, well, of course he did. You know, of course he did. Because in his mind, he was like helping us by doing that correctly, because he knew everybody was going to be leaving at different times. He didn't want people to have to come in and get the keys and, you know, that kind of thing. So in his mind, he was doing us all a favor, but we just found it hilarious. But those are the kinds of things that happen in my marriage all the time. <laughs> but it's so good to hear because I, I'm, I am so big on personality typing and understanding that it's not our identity, but that it does help us to understand like why he does the things we do. Because I think so often in marriage, that's the cause of the fight. Because we right. don't, he doesn't get me and I don't get him. And he's, oh, how could you do this? And I'm like, how could you not? You know, and and we just, you know, and you hear like he's saying apple and I'm hearing orange. And, and there's so much of that miscommunication that happens that if we understood why um, our husband does the things he does oftentimes, it, we would be less inclined to be frustrated with him, I think. Absolutely. And I think, you know, like you said, it, the Enneagram is really not about putting everybody into a box. And what I've said for years since I've discovered it for my own life is it gave me words or language around things that I was feeling to be able to communicate with him better. Um, because again, with him, everything is just very, it's right or it's wrong, it's black or it's white. Well, as a two, that's not my world at all. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we kind of do that. He's an engineer and I'm a psychologist. So we, you know, it's not like that's a new thing for us. Like, you know, we've always recognized we see things differently. But for me to be able to say, like, I just need to talk through this. Like, I don't need you to point out what's what right or what's wrong. Like, as twos, we process verbally. And so there's lots of times where I will just talk things into just ad nauseum. And he's just like, I can't talk about this anymore. But now he realizes like that is my way of processing. And I'll eventually come to a resolution that he may have come to at the beginning, but he lets me go through that process because he understands. And then vice versa, I know which heels to die on with him, right? If it's really super important to me, or if I feel like he's corrected me, then now I can vocalize that and be like, uh, that was very one-like. But I also know, you know, 95% of the time, he's just being himself and it's not about me. He's not being critical of me. He's just fixing a situation or making it better. And so 
you know, now I can appreciate that. Like if we go on vacation, I don't have to worry about planning a thing because he's got it, right? Like he's just going to tell us where we've got to be. And he has literally mapped out the most efficient way for the world to function. And that can be a great thing. Totally. (laughs) So it sounds on the Grace Fields Wife podcast, we are always looking for ways to be able to show our husband grace. And what I'm hearing in in your explanations and, and what's coming out is that this is a tool to kind of help us with that grace. When we can understand that it's not us, it's not you, you didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with you as a person. It's just that you were created one way and he was created another way. And we have to learn, especially in a marriage, more than coexist. Like we have to learn, you know, how our strengths and weaknesses or our differences rather uh, are gonna complement each other. Um, What do you say? to that do you have anything to add in that I I think that's absolutely true and um, and just recognizing again that communication piece and I think that that's what something like the Enneagram can help so much with is that it it you know puts words around those feelings that sometimes are the things that get in the way and I think you know you know we both agree miscommunication whether it's a marriage or a work relationship or a parent-child relationship like miscommunication really um, is the source of so much conflict in our world. And so when we all kind of boil things down and it's like, oh, that's not what I was hearing you say, then we can have such better conversation and, and get things around that. And so I do think, like like you said, the Enneagram, it's not about just like, this is who I am. I'm not going to change. That's why I love that core motivation because really what the experts will tell you, the beauty of the Enneagram is growth. So it's recognizing, so in his case, recognizing, oh, I'm being overly critical. I don't mean to be, and being able to say that may have come out as critical and I didn't mean for it to, which is, it would would have been a new thing for him because he might not have understood that a few years ago. For me, it's that, you know, I'm too sensitive. I get my feelings hurt. Like we joke and say with a two, you know, if you say, I don't like your casserole, you might as well say, I don't like you. Like that's how we take, like we take that. If you don't like what I'm doing for you, and we take that really personally. So, you know, another great example, gift giving has been a nightmare in our marriage because he is a one, he knows exactly what he wants. He wants the exact one, you know, just give me the Amazon link and let me get it. And that's what he wants, right? Well, a two, we, we're we so intuitive. And so we, we, we can really pick up on what other people feel and think. And so we expect the same things for us. So I've gone through our marriage being like, I know exactly what I want, but I'm not going to tell you. You have to guess because if you really loved me, you would know. And so <laughs> he inevitably screws it up, right? Every anniversary, every birthday, every Christmas, because it's like, no, that's not right. And he's like, well, you didn't tell me. And so something as simple as that, being able to go, okay, he's not going to intuitively figure it out. And so we have to communicate. So expectations are huge for us. So now I communicate because again, my family will tell you they they you know, I operate in a Hallmark movie in my mind around the holidays. So communicating my expectations to my family, like this is what I really want to happen, whether it's because we're taking a Christmas card photo or we're having a meal together or, you know, I, you know, I want us to hold hands and skip down, you know, snow covered roads. Like they need to know that because in my mind, I'm disappointed if that's not happening. So it's just things like that. So even around gift giving, like there's just so many times that it's helpful um, yeah, in relationships, specifically yeah. in marriage. I love that. I feel like we are so alike in so many ways. 
And when I, I like, yeah. And when I, when I looked at the, what the two, I, when I first looked at it, I thought I was a three, for sure. And then as I started to dig in, like you were saying, I was like, oh no, I have these three tendencies, but I'm really more of a two. And um, so I think that's important. Can you talk to us briefly about, because one of the important things, and I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, where um, a number, they have like, they stress to one number, they grow to another number, and you don't have to go through all through them, all of them, because we'll be here forever, but just right. to kind of give the listener an idea. Yeah. So a couple of things we do need to mention. So the wings, we have kind of just sort of hit on. So basically the wings are the numbers on either side of your Enneagram number. So a lot of people will kind of misunderstand and they'll think the wing is like their second highest number when they take the test. That's not the case. So basically, if you are, for example, an Enneagram four, you may be a four wing three, you may be a four wing five, you may not wing to either of those. So there's basically, you know, several different ways you can go. So your wings are the numbers on either side of your Enneagram number that you can sometimes take on the characteristics of that number based on your situation or your circumstances. So unlike your Enneagram number, which does not change based on your situations, your wings possibly can. So like I've seen some people wing one way in a professional relationship and wing the other way in a personal relationship. So it's just basically, um, you know, the way Suzanne Stabile, who I love describes, it's kind of like a little, you know, salt and pepper added to kind of to flavor up your number. But the stress and um, growth numbers, and um, all of us kind of function in either an unhealthy state, a normal state or a healthy state. And so we're always kind of moving in between those, those states. And so sometimes we can see ourselves behaving in an incredibly unhealthy way. And again, when you recognize your Enneagram number, it immediately you're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. And then you can kind of make some changes to move closer to healthy. Um, but the, most of us are kind of functioning in that normal state all of the time. But if we're in extreme stress, every Enneagram number has a certain number that they go to in extreme stress. And then vice versa, every number has an Enneagram number that they go to in growth. We're doing really, really well. So for the two, like you mentioned, our stress number is an eight, which is ironic because twos are like, they're all about people. They're all about relationships. They really don't want to rock the boat. They're kind of, you know, they feel what everybody else feels. They have a really hard time identifying their own feelings, but when they get pushed into a corner or become frustrated or feel like they've been taken advantage of, then that eight, which is a very aggressive number can sometimes come out. So it's not a pretty thing when a two goes to an eight. And um, because, you know, it's my, my family will tell you my head explodes off of my body and all of a sudden they're like, who, who is she? And it's typically around things like, you know, more so when my kids were young than now, they're actually grown. But um, when they were teenagers and, you know, I would work all day and they would be home in the summers and I would come home and the house would be a disaster because they'd had their friends over and they'd been eating all day and there were dishes everywhere. Like as a helper, I'm like, the least you could have done is put those in the dishwasher. So those are the kind of silly things that would kind of send me to that just crazy stress place. Um, but yeah, so all of us kind of have, have stress. Well, we, we do all have stress and growth numbers that we go to. And depending on your number, your stress and growth number is the same as every other person that, that has that number. Awesome. So part of why I had chosen um, to reach out to you to talk with my audience about the Enneagram number, besides the fact that I, I didn't didn't feel like I was going to be fluent enough in it to discuss it, is that um, you're a believer. And I, there's this kind of idea where sometimes that, you know, the 
a stigma essentially around the Enneagram for believers where they say, well, it has pagan roots and, you know, we shouldn't be looking at this at all. You know, what are your, I mean, I have my own opinions about that, but what is mm -hmm. you, how have you come to terms with that? And, and what do you say, what do you say about that? Absolutely. Yeah. And there is a lot of criticism and I've taken some of that personally as well. I mean, not that I've taken it personally, meaning I have had it expressed mm -hmm. to me um, in a way. So uh, what I believe is the Enneagram is a tool. It's like any other tool, you know, to me, it's amoral. It's like a knife, a kitchen knife, you know, in the hands of the wrong person, a kitchen knife can become a weapon in the hands of the right person. It can become an essential tool. Um, and so the Enneagram is not the gospel. It should not be mistaken for the gospel. I really love um, Beth McCord is another Enneagram expert, and she presents the Enneagram all through the lens of the gospel. Um, and what she shares, and I believe it fully, is we are all uniquely and wonderfully made by a creator who loves us. And I think we would be crazy to say that we don't all have unique personalities. If you've got more than one child in your life, you know, those people came in out of the same womb. You know, a lot of times they grew up in the same household, but they are, could not be more different. At least that's the case in my children. And I hear that all the time. So I believe that God creates us uniquely and fearfully and wonderfully um, with personalities. And the more we can understand that, the more we can serve him through our own strengths and our own personalities. So that's really, you know, my entire um, business of, with On Purpose Coaching is understanding ourselves so that we can love God and love others better. Like, I believe that we are just so much better at the greatest commandment, which is to love God and love others when we can understand one another better. And I think that the Enneagram is just a tool to do that. Now, if you put too much stake in it, you start reading it like it's the scriptures, then yeah, that's going to be a problem. Um, but lots of things that we um, adore and admire in our culture came from places that we probably wouldn't expect, um, including some of our hymns. So, you know, I think that we have to be really careful. And sometimes it gets that criticism too, because the drawing looks a little unusual. You know, when you look at yeah. it, you're like, is that a Star of David? Is that some kind of satanic symbol? What is it? It's literally just nine. It's a drawing of nine interconnected numbers. And so, um, yeah, that, that's really where I come from. And um, I have a good friend, Callie Ammons, who's also an Enneagram coach. And she says, you know, if the Lord can redeem me, he can redeem the Enneagram, like he can redeem anything. And so I think it's all about how we use it um, and the message that we're sending to others. Um, it's not to be all end all. It's certainly not the gospel. It is just a tool. Thank you for that. I have the similar opinions. I just wanted to kind of hear it from your side as well. Um, thank you for kind of all of the quick overview that you have given us in this area, because I do really think that it is important. It's certainly helped me to understand myself. I mean, even when you think about us as um, coaches and podcasters that we're twos and threes, like it makes sense even like in your careers and, and things like that, you know, that you would choose. Um, so it just really helps to understand. I like in the same way, I like a lot of the other, you know, love languages and apology languages and the four tendencies. And so I really kind of will look at all of them and see just how they make sense for me and kind of use them, like you said, just as a framework almost. So Gretchen Rubin, when she talks about the four tendencies, she just, that's all she says. It's just a framework for understanding ways that people behave doesn't it's not a be all end all and I think that makes it really really uh useful so why don't you tell our audience how can they find you 
and yeah. maybe some quick resources. And if there's like too many, we can talk about that offline and I'll just add them in the show notes, but let them know how can they find you and where can they find your podcast and all that good stuff. Awesome. Yes. So it is Stephanie Cook and my mother um, decided when she named me that um, I was going to be Miss America one day. So she gave me a unique spelling, um, <laughs> which has haunted me ever since. So it's Stephanie with no E. So I always say Stephanie. <laughs> so it's stephaniecook.org is my website. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram um, as Stephanie Cook. Um, our podcast is called What's Your Story with Hannah and Stephanie. And we're on all the podcast platforms. You just have to search by our names um, to be able to find that. So we're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, iTunes. Um, or you can link from directly from my website there as well. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to, you know, to connect. I do offer um, on my website, I have a one hour just introduction to the Enneagram course that you can purchase for live stream there. And um, if you're interested in just kind of a general overview, it's just a real quick one. Um, and then I do offer as well a coaching typing session. So if you're interested in that, and I actually have some Christmas discounts going on. So if you awesome. um, think you might like to do that or even coaching with me, um, go to my website and you can find those there. Um, as far as resources and um, some great, you know, if you're looking for Christmas books to give to folks, um, The Road Back to You would be my number one recommendation. It, like I said, it's Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile, and they wrote just a general overview um, book that has all the nine numbers. It's got some, you know, uh, different characteristics. Like a, a, my favorite thing is each number has a page that says, you, you know, you may feel this way if you're an Enneagram, whatever. And that's really helpful to read those 20 statements or so and think, oh, yeah, I can identify with 18 of those. Mm -hmm. um, so that really helps kind of solidify your number. And then Suzanne went on to write a book called The Path Between Us, which is kind of the next step, which is all about relationships and communications. So both of those are on a Amazon, of course. And then specifically for marriage, um, Beth McCord and Jeff McCord, who I mentioned, um, wrote a book called Becoming Us. And so it is all about using the Enneagram in marriage. And so all three of those resources are phenomenal. Um, if you're looking for something just to kind of, you know, help you where you are and they're all available on Amazon or probably any bookstore, but you know, that's yeah. the easiest place to go. Right. And typically you get it in 24 hours, right? So right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Stephanie. Thank you guys. I will link all that stuff in the show notes and until next week. Wait, 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 before you go, I have to tell you, we are in the middle of our 12 days of Christmas. This is a completely free training that myself and 11 other amazing boss babe mompreneurs, they are all Christian, they are working and giving training on living your life with purpose and clarity, boundaries, really living with more intentionality. It is completely free. No one is pitching you. They're going to be talking to you about protecting your peace, finding boundaries, uh, staying strong in your motherhood. I'm speaking about staying strong in your marriage as a stay at work, uh, stay at home or work from home mom. There's just so many topics on there. It's all completely free. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It is, but I will tell it for you. It is bit.ly slash success support group and that's bit.ly forward slash success support group i can't wait to see you guys there you are gonna love it if you 
have not gotten in there already. Also, don't forget to join my Facebook group or hit me up on Instagram, all that good stuff. I really, really, really love to hear from you guys. It actually is what helps me create content for the show. And it makes a difference to know that you guys care and that you're listening and all that other good stuff. So can't wait to see you. That is all I have for this week. Hey, love, thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.